I want to ask you guys a question because I'm curious based on stuff I've seen on social media. How many of you in the room already have up your Christmas decorations? Hang up your little elf hands really high so we can all see. Okay, half-ish it looks like. Okay, uh, if you're online, you can say I do uh, or you can say bah humbug. I don't, you know, whatever. So in, in years past, I feel like um, there's not been this many people in my little life world that already have their Christmas decorations. And in years past, I've always been pretty hardcore anti Christmas decorations up early. But let's be honest, anything that ushers in the end of 2020... I am all for, right? And with the year that it's been, I just wish you good tidings of great joy and like fa-la-la-la-la and whatever, man. Like, go for it. Do your thing. But whether your decorations are up or not, I believe with what this year has been for most of us, there's probably never been a year in our lives where it would be easier to rush past the idea of giving thanks, and let's just go celebrate a distraction. And and I want us to slow down this morning, grab God's word as we're preparing to come together to the Lord's table, because I believe he has a word for us this morning that's been strong on my heart. So please grab your Bible this morning, um, and we're going to say our creed together before we dive in real quick together. So hold up your Bible in the air, and let's say this, even if you're at home online, say this out loud. If you're at a coffee shop, don't say this out loud. That would be weird. But if you're at home, say it with us. Here we go. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind. And give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, we uh, had our call to worship from this psalm last week. Verse 3, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We had our call to worship this week from this psalm. Verse 8. Uh, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, we're not going to read the whole psalm this morning or even walk through all of it, although we'll reference uh, multiple parts of this psalm. We're really just going to read the first verse and, and unpack the first verse together this morning. And so I want us to do something we don't typically do. I, I want you to read the first verse out loud with me. Uh, now, I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, or it will be on the screen uh, or on your screen at home. So even if you're watching online, say this out loud with us. Again, not if you're in public, um, but if you're, I mean, you can proclaim the Word of God in the Walmart that you're listening to this online in your earbuds, whatever. Um, but I want us to, to say this verse together because it's speaking in first person. And so uh, I want us to all declare this. So verse 1 of Psalm 34. Here we go. Ready? Say it with me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Wow, what a statement. I want us to unpack this. We're going to kind of move phrase by phrase or thought by thought through this verse. And I want to begin with those first couple words, I will bless. I want us to start here to get our anchor of thanksgiving. The uh, the Old Testament, uh, written primarily in Hebrew, has a whole bunch of words that could be translated to something like I will bless or I will worship or even praise here. There's 11, 11 different words in the Hebrew, seven primarily used, and we're not going to look at all of those this morning. But specifically, that what's being said here really matters. 
Because when, I'll be honest, when I read about blessing in the Old Testament, if you're like me, that always seems a little odd to me. Like the only time I ever use that phrase is when someone sneezes, right? God sneezed, bless yourself. Like what, what, what are we saying when we say bless God? Uh, a lot of cultures are big about speaking blessings or whatever, but for us, it's not a super common thing. So what does this mean? It's the Hebrew word Barak, which means to kneel in thanksgiving. So not just to kneel in adoration or kneel in praise. Specifically, it means to kneel in thanksgiving. And in the next line of the next lyric of the song here, where he uses the word praise, it's the Hebrew word tehillah which means to sing a song of thanksgiving. Now, it does not say tequila, although some of you are like, I sing songs when there's too much tequila. But that's not what this means. This is tequila, which is to sing a song of thanksgiving rooted in this verse, although we don't see it in the English, is the heart of thanksgiving. The heart of fulfilling our purpose as human beings, and that is to praise God by giving him thanks. This, this battle to, to, to fulfill our purpose of thanksgiving has been a battle since the beginning. One author wrote it this way. We keep reliving the garden story. Satan, this author talks about Lucifer, the, the beautiful angel in the presence of God wanted more, more power, more glory. Ultimately, the author says in his essence, Satan is an ingrate. And he sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply, painfully, ungrateful for what God gave them. And isn't that my story too? Like what, what God's commanded and given and provided is just so seldom enough and we go outside of his boundaries and outside of his provision and end up reaping the consequences of that. This battle for gratitude is as old as the Garden of Eden. And so while the, the verse doesn't use the word thanksgiving, and I want to make sure we're starting with a really appropriate passage for our national holiday this week. God calls us to give thanks, to bless. Here's why that's important. Because the psalmist, David, doesn't write, I will bless when things are good. It's I will bless at all times, right? I will bless at all times, even in a pandemic. This is what's so strong in my heart for us as a church this morning. I will bless even when stuff is sideways, even when things aren't going well, gratitude at all times. And here's the deal. I, I sometimes struggle with attention in the scripture. When it talks about giving thanks at all times, sometimes that feels dishonest. Like God wants us to be fake or plastic or untruthful. And that is the heart of religion. And that might be the heart of the church you grew up in, but it is not the heart of God. God so wants truth that he is truth. So he's not calling us to be dishonest when we give thanks in all things. There's a truthful way to do this. Here's the deal. We all want, this is a really deep statement. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. This is like, I'm dropping the knowledge on you this morning. 
we all want things to go good. Right? Is that the least deep thought ever? Okay, let me combine that with another thought. 2020 hadn't been too good. Right? We all want good. In this psalm, if you look down at verse number 12, I I love this. David says, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? It's a weird Hebrew rendering there. Here's what he's saying. Who doesn't want good stuff? Who doesn't want a good day? Right? None of us wake up and go, man, I hope today is a train wreck. Lord, before my feet hit the ground, dear baby Jesus, I just want to pray that my wife will be so moody today. And I pray that my kids won't listen to a thought, let alone a word that I say. Oh, God, may they be rebellious, filled with venom and demon, Satan hate. God, I pray that traffic would just be a curse word. Like it would be all those words. Oh, and I pray my boss would have like hemorrhoids the size. (laughs) No, we wake up and we're like, God. Sorry, do we have any first time guests today? We don't usually talk about hemorrhoids. Um, No, we literally are like, God, please make today perfect in every way. Right? Because who wants a bad day? Who's like, man, train wreck, that's my favorite. So he's not saying give thanks that everything fell apart. He's being honest with this. As a matter of fact, if you read farther down in the song, in verse number 18, the song, and it's really a hopeful thing, but verse 18 says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Praise God that he's near, but I wish that wasn't the reason. (laughs) Right? Like I wish that was like the Lord is really near the happy hearted. But the fact is there's such a thing as hearts that get broken, right? He saves the crushed in spirit. How poetically horrible. (laughs) Who wants our spirits to be crushed? And then the, the beginning of the next verse, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Even when we're trying to do the right stuff, there's afflictions. And so God is not calling us to be grateful at all times. In some fake Pollyanna, I love losing my job and not paying bills. Toe touch. Like, that's not what he's calling us to. That's the best toe touch I can do. That's all I got. Yeah. He's calling us to give thanks at all times, not feel thanks at all times. Thanksgiving is not an emotion It is an act of faith. We are so governed and so controlled in this generation today by what we feel. And this this idea of giving thanks, if it's always going to be based on emotions, it's going to be, I will bless the Lord sometimes. And in 2020, it would be, I will bless the Lord once a month for a minute. (laughs) Like, it's been rough. So it's got to be more than just an emotion. Like I remember as, as a kid growing up at church, like put on the attitude of gratitude. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. But here's the thing about an attitude. If you tell somebody, hey, you need to alter your attitude. What you mean is choose to have better body language and choose your words better. Right. And in the same way, gratitude is I'm going to posture my heart towards 
something other than what I'm troubled about. I'm going to choose words of gratitude. It's simply blessing the Lord. It's bowing the knee and saying words of gratitude because I'm so grateful we don't serve a fake God. We don't serve a sitcom God who expects every problem to be resolved in 30 minutes. Right? He's more real than that. He grieves with us. In this psalm, uh, most smart people believe that this was written uh, around... Um, the, the moment where David is, is, is fleeing for his life from King Saul. And, and he's not just fleeing for his life. You can read the story in, um, 1 Samuel 21 and 22. David is so fleeing for his life that he flees for asylum among the Philistines. He goes to Gath and appears before King Achish and is like, Hey, can I have asylum here? And King Achish is like, you're David. Like you've killed thousands of Philistines and now you're here wanting help from me. This has to be a trap. And David's like, "Uh oh, they don't trust me. And so he starts pretending to lose his mind, starts frothing at the mouth and scratching at the door like an animal, like a crazy person. The future king of Israel and King Achish is like, get the lunatic out of here. And so David flees and he's hiding in a hole, a cave. Like a hole in the side of a mountain or or in the side of a rock. And that's where he writes the words. I will give thanks at all times. I will bow the knee in gratitude at all times. That's mind boggling to me. We can choose to give thanks when it's hard. We can choose to give thanks in a pandemic. We can choose to give thanks when there are wildfires and storms and hurricanes and racial discord and civil unrest and economic insecurity and political division and votes being recounted. We can still choose to give thanks because there's something bigger at play. We'll get to that bigger thing in just a moment. But this morning, we need to know this is what God's will is for you this week. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, give thanks in all circumstances. And I wish it said, except in 2020, but it doesn't. And then he clearly says, this is God's will for you, not in your circumstance, in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. So we've got the Old Testament, Psalm 34, saying, give thanks at all times and in all circumstances. He's not saying give thanks for all circumstances. One, one commentary said it this way. God would never command his people to give thanks for evil. God would never command his people to give thanks for grievous events. So we're not giving thanks for all times, but we can still give thanks at all times because there's a bigger story. And what's the bigger story? Well, we skipped part of this lyric. I will bless at all times the Lord. I can only be grateful at all times if I'm centered on the Lord. (laughs) 
if I'm centered on Yahweh, if I'm centered on the great I am, if I'm centered on the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and Omega, if I'm centered on the giver of all good gifts, the God of all grace, the God of all mercy, the God of all hope, if I'm centered on him, then I can give thanks at all times because he's what my life is centered on. I'm not centered on my circumstances. I'm not centered on things going my way. I'm not centered on the immediate. I'm centered on the unchangeable goodness of God. We can give thanks at all times, not because of the circumstance, but because of who our God is. Which is why it's so fitting that in this song he would write in verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Life isn't always good. Matter of fact, if we're honest about it, life is a whole lot of not good. Now, as Americans, we're pretty spoiled. And so we get the first little bit of difficulty and we're like, life is a burden. But like for most of the world and most of the they're like, no, life's not too good. But our God is good. He can't help but be good. He's so good. He doesn't have a bad day. He's that good. He's good. Therefore, we can give thanks. For who he is. So give thanks at all times because we're centered on the goodness of God. Which means this. And this is the heart of where we'll park this morning before we arrive together at the Lord's table. I will praise the Lord continually. His praise will continually Be in my mouth. That's an awesome word that has a picture in it of momentum, of moving forward. I can give thanks at all times because God is good, which means the story isn't over. He's not done yet. I'm going to make it because he's good and faithful. This isn't the end of the story. There's a continuation There's hope on the other side. As the people of God, when our thanksgiving is not rooted in our circumstances, but is rooted in our God, we will walk through every circumstance with hope. It's not the end of the story. And when the world around us is wrecked by circumstances, there's supposed to be this honest hopefulness among the people of God who are like, yeah, this stinks. But this isn't the end of my story. Amen? Come on, church. This isn't the end. This isn't all there is. The goodness of God will endure. Nothing can stop God from being who he is. It doesn't say taste and see that the Lord does good. It says taste and see that the Lord is good. And who he is can't be changed. So that means we're going to make it. It's not going to be fun in the meantime. We're not lying to ourselves about this, but we have a, 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 a sturdy, rock-solid gratitude in who our God is, in his character, and in his nature. Things might not be good, but they will be. That's faith. And things will be good because my God is good. That's the object of our faith. We believe in a God who brings good things on the other side of bad things. Because in all things, 
there's a good God. There are good things on the other side of bad things. Because in all things, there's a good God who's at work. P.S. Which doesn't mean the bad things are fun. (laughs) Just means there's hope in it. It means there's hope in it. And for some of us, listen, the, it might not just be that, that this suffering is for a short season. Maybe we have to look to the eternity that's written on our hearts. Because we think awfully temporary. We have an awfully short attention span. The fact is there's, there's coming a day. And it's closer today than it was yesterday. There's coming a day where pandemics will cease. There's coming a day where hate will be done away with. There's coming a day where tears will be wiped away forever. There's coming a day where all of the brokenness of this world will finally be healed. And so we walk through bad things with hope in a good God who's got good on the other side. When all Hope seems lost around us. We still have a reason to give thanks because we believe in a God who's still on the throne and he's still good. Which can't help but point us, if you've been in any uh, in church or around the Bible for any amount of time, it can't help but point us to Romans 8.28. And we know. Listen, if you're looking for a Thanksgiving motivation this week, there's so much we don't know. How long is the election going to be disputed? How long is COVID going to last? When's the vaccine going to come out? And is it going to make us all grow a third head? Like what? What's the future? I don't know. But we know this. We know. We know. That for those who love God. All things. At all times. Everything. All things. Pandemics and wildfires. Work Together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? What's the will of God for you? That we'll give thanks in all things. (laughs) When we're walking in love towards the goodness of God. To the God who is good. We're fulfilling his call in our life. We're believing and trusting that he's working for good. Does that make sense? That's what our father's up to today. Like he's working. He clocked in. To bring good in your life. I think it's hilarious. Every now and then they have articles online of like kindergarten teachers or first grade teachers who've asked their students, what do you think your parents do for a job? And kids write the funniest stuff. I don't know if you've ever read that. Because kids have no clue what their parents do, right? They have no idea what their parents do. And so I, I want to share a story with you. And, and to do so, I need to share something a little heavy and a little personal. I, um, I, I've sincerely battled much of my life with some resentment towards my earthly father for his lack of work ethic. So growing up, my dad was always smart and good at what he did. And so he could function at like 10% of commitment and consistency and still they wouldn't let him go because when stuff was super sideways, he would show up and save the day. And, and so I can't tell you how many days I came home from school and he was still in bed. Now, at 43 years old, I look backwards and I believe my dad suffered with debilitating depression and was 
never properly treated for that. But as a kid, I, I didn't know anything about depression. I just knew dad's in bed again, right? And so it, it's bred some ugly stuff in me of performanceism. And like, if you, if you really want to cut me deep to the soul, I'm going to tell you how to do that. Just say, you're just like your father. Just being honest. And, and tell me I'm as lazy as my dad. And pretty much, I'll be a puddle, go get a mop. I'm done, right? I know that's kind of personal and kind of heavy. But that sets the scene for about two months ago. Uh, two months ago, um, our boys got ready and, and went to school. Garrett is now driving him and his brothers to school, uh, which is a brand new thing for us ever since I've lived here. I've brought the boys to school every day. But since my dad's death this summer, I've been trying to take better care of myself. And so I've started exercising for the first time in my adult life. Yay! And trying to take better care of myself. And so... My mornings are I spend time without distraction and study and, and work out in the mornings. And so it's, it's been great. This particular morning, um, I spent time with the Lord and I did, uh, my workout and I jumped in the shower and then I headed to uh, a local Christian college. I preached in chapel and preaching to college students with social distancing it was really not enjoyable or easy, but I preached my guts out to these students and then met with some of them, talked with some of them afterwards. Serving Jesus, yeehaw, in COVID. And then I realized, man, there's only a couple hours left of the day now by the time I was done with all of that. And I only had two things left on my checklist of what I had to get done for that day. There were, I was in the middle of some sermon prep and there were two sermons that I wanted to listen to and take notes from. And I thought, well, you know, both our yard and our neighbor's yard that the boys cut, um, that they mow, they're both really needing to be cut. And the boys are struggling with all this COVID half remote and online and whatever. And they're kind of discouraged. I'm going to surprise them. I'm going to go home. I'm going to put my earbuds in and listen to those two sermons. I will talk text my notes to myself with one hand. I'll push the mower with the other hand. I got to fly, though, to have it done by the time they get home if I'm going to surprise them. But I had a good workout this morning. I'm feeling up to it. Let's get her done, right? And sure enough, man, I was hauling tail and I got both yards done. Family came home, jumped in the shower, ate dinner, and then I like fell onto the couch like an 80 year old man at the end. Not that that's old. Um, it's funny, the older I get when I pick an age, it just keeps moving. The needle keeps moving. By next year, it's going to be like a, like a 129 year old. Anyways, um, so I'm sitting there and Marisa comes and sits down and, and we're just kind of talking about the day or whatever. I was telling her about the chapel service I'd preached in and whatever. And our middle son comes over and sits down next to me and says, can I ask a question? And I'm like, yeah, bud. And I think he's going to say, like, are you really the best dad in the world? He said, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you still work? I said, verbatim, verbatim, I said, what, what do you mean, bud? He's like, well, like, we left this morning and we came home and you were still home cutting the grass. And like, like, do you still work? I'm like, yeah, bud, I actually did a lot today. 
like serving you guys or whatever. And he's like, oh, so you still got all your stuff done. That's cool. So you can like just be home and still get done what has to get done. You're just like your dad. (laughs) And Marisa lost composure. I've never seen, I have told so many jokes to her. Like we've known each other since we were teenagers. She's never laughed that hard at a single joke I've told, but that was the funniest moment she's ever witnessed in her life. Tears. Thought we were going to have to kick a COVID patient off a ventilator for her. Sorry, too soon. Um, and, and I'm like, bud, like there was nothing about today that was like your grandfather like no no and he's like did i say something wrong and here's the thing what what made that moment as comical as it was is kids never have a clue what their parents do all day right and here's what i came to tell you this morning whatever's going on in your life right now or has gone on in your life the last eight months we might feel like God took the year off. This was God's sabbatical year. Good for him. Your father's working in ways you might never see this side of eternity. He is at work for your good because it's who he is. He's working for you because he's for you. And we might feel like, God, are you even working? And he's like, I move in heaven and earth to make a way for you. That's true today. On your behalf, by your heavenly father. He is working for your good. And here's the amazing thing about the, the honesty of Romans 8.28. Is ten verses before this, the apostle Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. Like he's honest about God working, that there's still suffering. We just believe there's something else up. The suffering isn't the only part of the story. Four verses later in, in verse number 22, he says, we know here's another, we know, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And here's the thing about the pains of childbirth. Eventually new life comes. And it's a joyous, beautiful, and wonderful moment. And somehow all creation right now is in the labor pains of hope. And so we give thanks believing that there's something on the other side. And, and, and listen, pain is painful. <laughs> and suffering is unpleasant. And that's why the fact that he says these and then gets, look again at verse number 28. I love the first word of Romans 8, 28. And. Not or. Not there's either suffering or God's up to something. There's, there's pain or there's something to give thanks for. No, in the suffering, I can trust that God's at work for good. In the pain, I can trust that, that God's bringing hope and life out of this. And we live in an either-or world, in an either-or culture. Either I give thanks or life's bad. 
Either life goes my way or life is good. And the beauty of hope and the beauty of faith and the beauty of a life centered on an unchanging God is life can be difficult and I can believe that he's at work for good. Does that make sense? Like one doesn't cancel out the other. And so we don't come to to our Thanksgiving table as families this year pretending as though it's been easy. Some of you will sit at a table with an empty seat this week. And I believe that there's freedom to to grieve an empty chair and give thanks for a God who's at work. Jesus stood in front of the burial site of a friend. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Do you realize in the next verse he rose him from the dead? And in the previous verses, we already knew that's what his plan was. He knew resurrection was coming and he still wept in the moment. So it's appropriate that we would weep and give thanks. Let me land the plane. I will bless the Lord. At all times. His praise. Shall continually. Be in my Mouth, not my heart, not my emotions, not my thoughts, which is interesting because I believe that God knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows our emotions. He knows our intentions. And yet the psalmist said, even though God knows that, my neighbor might not know that. And so my gratitude isn't just going to be internal. and It's not just going to be between me and God. It's going to be audible. I'm going to give thanks out loud. Here's why. Hear me, friend. If we have a heart of gratitude, even when things are rough, the world needs to hear and see that kind of hope. The world needs to see and sense and smell something different on us. And if our life and if our social media profile and if our conversations are filled with the same grumbling, the same criticism and the same complaining as the rest of the world without an and and I have hope and this is the end of the story and God is still good and God's at work and I'm going to make it and he'll make all things new and this doesn't define me and. Like, if if that's not part of our story, where's our light in the darkness? The world's desperate right now to hear the people of God say, I'm not rushing past Thanksgiving to get to my gifts this year. Because I still have a reason to give thanks. My God didn't fall off the throne. My faith is the foundation of my gratitude, not my experience. His song of thanksgiving will be in my mouth. And tomorrow, I don't know what my circumstance will be, but I know what my song will be. It will be, thank you, God, for who you are. We have a world around us that needs that message of hope and that message of life. This weekend, 31 families in the community next door to us are going to get a a taste of hope through the delivery of a traditional Thanksgiving meal from you. They're going to get a a glimpse of something good in the midst of a hard year. And, And let me say this. 31 families replied 
29 of the 31 replied the day they got the letter from us offering hope. Can you, can you sit in that for a minute? They opened the mail, saw, hey, do you need a meal? And instantly filled out the form, I need help. You get where I'm going with that? 31 families said, we could use some help. I ask you, would you be willing to help? 46 families offered to provide meals. We had 50% more offers of help than help needed. How cool is that? That's awesome, man. Come on. Yes. Give God praise. It's okay. Because we believe that even when stuff isn't good, our God is good. And the world needs to know that. They need a taste of hope. And and through that open door next door, because of your generosity, because of your modeling the hope of Jesus, we've had some good conversations. Lance and I met with the um, manager at the mobile uh, home community this past week. And we said, okay, so we learned that there's some needs. (laughs) Like the, the quick, rapid response showed us that there's some folks who are hurting. We don't want to stop. How can we help some families that have got some kids who need a Christmas? And she started rattling off families that she knows have lost their job during COVID. Some folks who are sick with little kids in their home who aren't going to have a Christmas unless we step up and be the hands and feet of hope again. So keep an eye out. We're going to be rolling out some opportunities to kind of do like an angel tree we're we're letting them do a a wish list of what they really want and we're going to have those items available and we as a family can claim those and we'll walk through all the specifics of that but we share just one story Um, Lance went to visit the home of one of the families that she quickly gave us the name and address of hey I know they'll need help Lance went and introduced himself. Hey, this is what we're looking for. We want you to come up with a wish list. And she began to weep. She said, this week, I've just been thinking, if we could just survive through Christmas, maybe our family could have some hope. I couldn't believe it when you knocked on my door and told me this. She's weeping. We've got the foundation that the world around us so desperately needs to glimpse. We have a theology that's rooted in the truth that there's good things on the other side of bad things because we serve a good God who's at work in all things. Amen. Do you know why I believe in a God who brings good things from bad things? The number one reason? Because of the cross. Is there anything worse? The execution of the Son of God and look at the good we enjoy today from that bad. There's no more powerful picture of good things coming from bad things. And at some point this week, and I know for some of you, one of the things that you're you're grieving this morning is maybe your traditional gathering is going to have to look different this week. I know folks have loved ones who are under quarantine or have COVID right now. But for most of us this week, we're waiting for a moment when someone will announce through the house 
come to the table. <laughs> it's ready. It's eating time, right? And, 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 and what this morning is, is the Son of God Himself is saying, I've prepared the table. And it's time. The, the idea of the first Thanksgiving meal does not find its genesis in colonial America. It finds its beginning in first century Jerusalem in an upper room. Where Jesus broke bread and passed around a cup and said, this is the picture of my body broken for you. We don't believe it mystically becomes his body or, or mystically becomes his blood. It's this visual and experiential example and reminder, illustration of what it cost for us to have access to God the Father. That was the first Thanksgiving meal. As a matter of fact, if you are like me and if you didn't grow up, Anglican or Episcopal or Catholic, you might not know that what we're about to do in those faith systems is called Eucharist, right? And what's interesting about the idea of the Eucharist is throughout the, the Greek New Testament, the word thanks is the Greek word Eucharisto. And so when those early formal religions were coming up with a name for what we call communion or what we call the Lord's Supper, they named it the Meal of Gratitude. The Eucharist. This is the most appropriate Thanksgiving act we can have is to remember. The broken body and the shed blood of the Son of God. And so what I invite you to do this morning is, if you're sitting on the front row, then there should have been a little pre-prepared uh, package there for you. Uh, for the rest of the rows, look underneath the seat in front of you. Uh, even if you're on the back against the the wall, if you look at the seat in front of you, there's there's a prepackaged um, and there's there's two layers here. There's a, a translucent or, or see-through top layer where the wafer is and then another layer for the drink. If you're at home, just grab whatever you've got. We'll wait on you. The scriptures tell us not just to rush through this, but to examine ourselves. So I'm going to lead us in a a brief moment of prayer where we we examine where we're at with God. And, and, and let me say this for, for who we believe this moment is for. Here at Temple, we don't require you to be a member of this church. We don't require you to be a member of a certain denomination. We believe communion is reserved for all the people of God who are followers of Jesus. What we mean by that is if you have placed your faith in Jesus and been born again, you believe you are saved and born again. And if you've made that public by being baptized, then we believe this moment is for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, not just in your heart, but you've gone public through baptism, then we believe this moment is for you. We would encourage you, especially any, any children in the room, if, if you've not yet placed your faith in Christ or not yet been baptized, we'd ask you just to hold tight and, and watch what this moment represents. Let that kind of marinate in your heart and let's ask some questions and, and talk later but for those of us who would say I'm a follower of Jesus I've made that public by being baptized then we just want to examine our hearts right now is there anything you need to confess before the Lord are you like me and one of the things that that you need to confess before you take this is God I've not given a whole lot of thanks I've given a whole lot of grumbling or a whole lot of complaint 
And I need to add the rest of the and sentence and say, and you're good, and you're at work, and you're faithful. So right now, just in a season of prayer, I invite you to a a period of an examination. Father, we don't come before this moment lightly or casually. We come before it respectfully and reverently. Being physically, visibly, experientially reminded right now that there's always a reason to give thanks. Because God allowed his body to be broken for his own creation. In this holy moment, we remember the broken body on our behalf of Jesus of Nazareth. We do this of him. Let's take of the bread together. After Jesus broke the bread, it says he took the cup and he gave thanks for it as well. And he pointed to his blood. What, what we know is without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no forgiveness or making right of sin. I heard somebody say this week, many people around us, they drink to forget their problems. This morning, we drink to remember that all of our problems were nailed to the cross and we carry them no more. It's finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah drink in remembrance of him.